What's up, guys? Welcome back to a new episode of Ice Cubes and Peppers. I'm Melody, your host. Today, we're talking about how to build self-trust. Gonna get right into it. I don't wanna make you feel boredom. <laughs> this is relevant since I talked about black and white thinking in the last episode, and these concepts do correlate. How do they correlate? Black and white thinking is associated with a lack of self-trust. Uh, in fact, a lot of people, uh, I used to have that back then as well. Um, they think, you know, I ate this chocolate bar. No, I failed anyways. And I probably also can't stop eating sweets from this point on and or hold my healthy habits, you know. So you see, they don't trust themselves. <laughs> So in order to start this, we need to know what exactly is self-trust because the concept of trusting someone else is easier to understand and to see through, in my opinion. I mean, you trust someone if you call, if you call them, tell them your secrets, you can rely on them and so on. We have a lot of things that we associate with trusting someone else. So self-trust is a little bit different. And psychology today define it as it's having the conviction that you will be kind and respectful to yourself regardless of the outcome of your efforts. We're going to get into what this all means. When we look at um, examples of people who are self-trusting, we find that they have clarity and confidence in their choices. So what does that look like in regards to practice-related binge eating habits and emotional eating? Uh, for example, someone who trusts themselves is less likely to automatically connect the one chocolate bar to thinking that they will only fail from now on. They won't think the entire week is ruined because of that one chocolate bar. Because they know that one chocolate bar doesn't wash away all of, the, oh, <laughs> all of their healthy habits, such as slow eating. For example, coming back to the definition of self-trust... They know that they can, quote unquote, get back on track. You know, it's not off track if we're eating a candy bar, but mm -hmm, you know what I mean? After eating candy bar. So basically they trust themselves that they will be kind to themselves. So this was the definition of self-trust, right? So the self-trust also partly builds through seeing success. So physically seeing yourself not overeat for an entire week after you, you ate one candy bar, right? Also, these neuronal pathways in your brain change and make it easier for you to let go of this pattern. But that is a different story. So first of all, we have the circumstances. So I talked about this in my last episode of Black and White Thinking, but having these external circumstances, you know, that motivate you you see success, you build these very, very small challenges for yourself and you reach them day after day. Like eating slow is a good example. I really like this one. It's a very practical thing. And you see, okay, I took 15 minutes and I didn't shove it all in this lunch. I can do it tomorrow and you can do it tomorrow. So you do. And then the day after you're like, oh my God, it's almost been a week, you know? So external success, you know? that you obviously reached through, you know, also your inner thought process. That is one really big thing that uh, builds self-trust, okay? We should not underestimate that part. 
But also, there are things that are going on inside of our heads, like always, that hold us back. We're always the ones holding us back, and that's so shitty because we can't just, like, you know, go to someone else and be like, please change that and get into an argument with them, you know? And in fact, we have to be very, very kind to ourselves to change these habits. So now we're slowly approaching the question of how do you build self-trust that will positively affect your, you know, binge eating patterns. So we have external circum or external success, like I said already. And now we're kind of going into the internal world. So the first thing is being compassionate with yourself since self-trust is also about treating yourself kindly as we learned a couple minutes ago so therefore forgiving yourself is important so in moments when you feel regret after a binge for example you're obviously allowed to feel regret okay that is a normal human emotion parallel to that it is super important to focus on talking to yourself like you would to a loved one If they sat on that couch next to you and they told you, I just binge, I feel horrible, would you tell them, oh my God, you lazy pig, you can't get anything right, right? Instead, you would comfort them. You would be like, this is one event. This is one day. In fact, it's probably like five minutes of the day, 10 minutes of the day. So the next week is not all ruined because you binged once, right? You would comfort them. You would be like, this is in your hands. You you do have the control even though you even though you think you don't, right? So talking to yourself in that way. Um, because you would also expect of someone that you trust, a loved one of yours, to comfort you like that, right? Because if they wouldn't, you wouldn't trust them anymore with this kind of stuff. You wouldn't go to them anymore and be like, I just binged, you know. So handle that, how you want to be treated in that situation and how you would treat others in that situation. The next internal thing is, and that is a huge one, my friends. I read a whole entire book about this. The Inner Critic. Well, um, we're approaching the inner critic now well we're getting close to it okay we're standing next to it at the bus stop (laughs) we're observing it what does someone do who's observing right they they simply look they don't interact and if you're shy you know there's a big difference between observing and interacting since you're always observing your crush curious about what they're doing but interacting Nah, you're not doing that. That's how we handle the inner critic, okay? Um, You look at what this inner critic is saying in her head, okay? And you ask yourself, is it nice? Is it helpful? What's its purpose? And who is the inner critic? It is something maybe my father said. Is it something that my aunt said that society tells me? And you see, like, this is not my own voice. 99% of the time, it is actually the voice of someone else. Meditating helps with this. You are all so sick of me saying this. I know. Because we all been new. 
meditation is a thing and green tea and matcha and chlorophyll in your water. <laughs> but meditating is something that has existed for hundreds of years, probably also thousands of years. This concept is old. People have done it for a long time, which doesn't always mean that a thing is good. In this case, though, this is a thing that is scientifically proven to help depression, anxiety, PTSD, and so on. And you want to tell me that this won't help? See, the thing is why therapists are always like recommending this is because this is one of the very like only ways that there are um, to really not associate with your thoughts and feelings and create the distance between you and what you think or what whatever whoever thinks okay because we don't really know that <laughs> so it is really hard to not interact with these thoughts right i don't want you to argue with the inner critic i solely want you to observe the thought and this noting process is as light as a feather touching a glass nothing harsh you notice, you go on, called noting process or noting technique. Probably heard of it from the app Headspace. Also, if you use this, no ad. Why would they sponsor me? <laughs> but yeah. Next thing is when we are present, there is no fear. That's also what psychology today said about self-trust. I found it very interesting that they also mention it like that because that truly is such a powerful sentence and in relation to that topic very important we worry so much about what is tomorrow what is yesterday what was yesterday and the whole entire concept of black and white thinking also is that you think that one thing that you are doing now or that you just like did five minutes ago, so present, right? That that is somehow associated with the future. So we have these two, these two time, like this concept of time, okay? And we think about everything except the present moment when all we ever have is the only, is right now. And right now past, as I just said that, okay? That is everything we ever have. So tell me why we are so concerned with what was and what is going to happen. It is humanly, is normal, is not healthy though, in such big extent. So it is important to realize that there is no fear, there really is no misery in the present moment. Obviously there are... Um, there, I forgot the word, there are exceptions. Usually though, you're just sitting at the desk, you're coming from work, you're at the gym, or you're with your family, you're doing nothing crazy, you're doing day-to-day -day activities, and yet you're always wondering about the future and maybe also about the past and associating these two, you know, in relation to, in regards to binge eating your fed up with what you ate yesterday and what you're going to eat now what you're going to eat tomorrow it honestly only is important what you're going to eat right now <laughs> you know that's only that's the only thing you ever have the present moment so the concept of meditation is 
talked about a lot. It's also talked about in a very wrong way, in a lot of ways. People make it seem like it's about not thinking. That is not what is it what it is about. It is also not about just sitting there for 10 minutes and thinking about nothing and then g going on with your day, standing up from the bed, getting up from the couch, and just not adapting this kind of way of thinking into your daily life when really it is all about that. It is about getting up from the chair and carrying this way of observing your thoughts within your whole life. That's kind of the goal, or at least for some years, okay? This is something sustainable. This is something, and something that is sustainable also usually takes a long time to, you know, really integrate into your, into your daily life, such as seeing the gym as a routine. So if you start going to the gym, like fresh, like never been to the gym, the first two weeks are probably going to be awesome because you have this motivation. And then after that, it's all about discipline and it's all about building a routine. And that's when it gets hard, you know? Um, all sustainable things, if you think about that, they are really long-term things are always something so different compared to short-term. Even relationships, you know, the honeymoon phase, you have like the first two months or three months, you know, that are so awesome. And after that, it's really about discipline also. It's about, okay, compromising, seeing where can we meet, okay? We have to meet in the middle somewhere because now conflicts arise and we have to get through them, okay? Long term... <laughs> It will never be easy to to hold something long term if you know if you're coming from a point of struggle in regards to binge eating to come back to that because I've really just talked about everything and and God and no God knows, I don't know. Okay. Um what I just want to say is that it is a long term habit that also needs long-term effort put in but this will also serve you long term okay long-term effort equals long-term success please keep that in mind write that down in your notes make that your wallpaper um it is really important so if you're on tiktok and you're trying to educate yourself on meditation close the app read articles, read science-based articles. I recommend the app Waking Up by Sam Harris. This has really introduced me to the true concept of meditation, which is observing your thoughts, looking for the one who's looking, which is the most confusing thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, yesterday I actually had a math lesson and that was very confusing as well. This meditation concept though is definitely not easy to grasp. And it is nothing you can really calculate. It's something in your head. It's something that you can touch. It's it's nothing that you can physically see. Okay? So this is one of the biggest challenges ever. And it is also one of the big biggest reliefs ever in life. And I'm not at this point yet, but where you can truly, truly be in the present moment. 
why are we so happy as children? Because there usually only ever is the present moment, right? If you're, you know, having a good childhood, but in general, the, the brain functions very differently when we're children. And that's why, you know, a lot of people grow up and they're at this amazing vacation whatsoever, but instead at, instead of lying near the beach and looking at the beautiful sunset and being grateful, grateful, they are grateful, but they're also feeling like this moment is only going to last now and they're already missing it. They're already like, oh my God, oh, damn, I wish this lasted forever. You know what? This moment right now is all you have. There is no forever anyways. So people are growing up and they are in the present moment when everything is great. And even though everything is great right now, they mistake gratefulness um, with missing the moment. Already missing it. It's like abandonment issues. Like, oh, this person is so amazing. I already miss them because they're going to leave me, you know? These are all different issues. And somehow I could probably... Uh, I didn't um, didn't put that into my notes. This is totally off track right now. I didn't plan to say all of that. But the concept of meditation is so highly associated to things like self-trust, self-worth, and just the general contentment in life that I, I do think it is important to talk about. And even though it was a lot of rambling, this is like my my personal thought process, you know, and I come from a place of like anxiety a lot. I, I do struggle with that a lot about the future, about um, everything and that is nothing super individual a lot of people have that that this is like a a disease <laughs> like a world disease people have in their brain and um we're not being teached at school about this concept so yeah and this is highly associated to binge eating disorder and every other eating disorder there possibly is Okay, here we are. So be compassionate with yourself. Approach the inner critic. Not really approach. Stand next to it. <laughs> the inner critic, imagine it as you're crushed. You're standing next to it. You're being shy. You're being a little bit... You're holding back. You're observing what they're doing, okay? And you're curious. You're so curious about what they're doing. You're like, what? what, what is he you know, up to. That's you with your thoughts in general. Be curious about what is going on and observe. I have so many great analogies for this, but like if you're a photographer and you're in the wild and you see a lion, you know, you're just observing it, waiting for the right moment to, to uh, get a picture. That's a little bit different. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then also just um, the inner critic is a huge topic. I will make a whole episode about this. And be compassionate, be forgiving. And identify the inner critic. Ask yourself these questions. Is it helpful? Is it nice? Um, what's its purpose? 
and be aware of the fact that external success is also a huge one and setting up little small challenges is the key to eating disorder recovery not only binge eating disorder this goes for every eating disorder there is small steps setting yourself very small challenges that are almost you almost can't fail because it really doesn't take a lot of effort for you let's say you always shove your lunch in um you're done with with the whole lunch in five minutes tomorrow you're gonna be like i will take six minutes to shove it all in seven eight nine ten see and this like takes only like two weeks to get to like 20 minutes not even and that's amazing at the end of the day we always see this big goal of oh i have to take 30 minutes to finish my meal but hey don't forget that it's a day-to-day thing it's a day-to-day process you're not doing this in one day okay Let's say you you really just want to start small and you're starting with adding one minute to, to the lunch timer thing, okay? That is doable, right? You don't think about that and you're like, oh my God, I hope I can just, I hope I can do this, you know? If you set yourself all these big challenges and I used to do that in the past, you know, obviously I would fail because you are not a machine. You can't just, beep beep boop and then you're okay done like now it's working you know i I programmed my brain differently now and i I erase all of the negative neuronal neuronal pathways and now i'm good to go that's not how it works i wanted to say unfortunately but i think that it is actually fortunately because you learn a lot from this process but i think you already know that (laughs) okay have a good week have a good Sunday because I'll know that Sunday scaries, ugh, even in my life, a big topic. So I hope this helped you. This cheered you up a little bit and grounded you. We only ever have a present moment. Okay, so have a good one. We'll see each other in the next episode of Ice Cubes and Peppers. I'm Melody, your host, and have a good Sunday. Bye.